0: The Crisis Next Door, a weekly report on the biggest conflicts around the world with host Jason Brooks. Welcome to The Crisis Next Door. I'm your host, Jason Brooks, where we take a look each week at a different global hotspot. This week, we're going to focus on North Korea with a potential historic summit scheduled between President Trump and and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. We're joined on The Crisis Next Door today by Lisa Collins, a fellow with a Korea chair at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Prior to joining the center, she worked for seven years as a program officer at the Asan Institute for Policy Studies in Seoul, Korea. Uh, Lisa, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Obviously, the talks could be on, they could be off, regarding a summit between President Trump and North Korea's Kim Jong-un. I want to get to the motivations, though. What do you think the motivations are for Kim Jong-un in this summit with President Trump? Uh,
1: Well, I think he probably has a couple of motivations. First and foremost, he probably wants to find a way to ease up on the economic pressure that his country has been facing over the last several months. And that is attributed to the sanctions, the United Nations sanctions and the unilateral um, U.S. sanctions that were imposed uh, on the North Koreans um, over the last several months. And I think another motivation of Kim Jong un is probably also to get greater recognition um, from the international community. He's been doing a lot of, dip- he's been engaging in a lot of diplomatic activity with South Koreans, with the Chinese, and now with the Americans. I think in part also to present himself as a, a world leader on level and on par with other leaders such as President Trump um, and President. Moon Jae-in from South Korea, and so that is also probably another motivation in having a summit with the U.S. president. This, of course, will be the first summit between a North Korean leader and a sitting U.S. president, so in and of itself, that's quite a significant event. Um, And then there's talk about what Kim Jong-un really wants um, with regard to his nuclear weapons program. And I'm sure we'll get to discuss that as well.
0: Do you think that President Trump's military threats against North Korea over over the past year had much of an impact on Kim Jong-un as well?
1: I, I do think that they had an impact on Kim Jong-un in part. I think they also had a great impact on the South Koreans, particularly Moon Jae-in, who I think was motivated because of that talk of military strikes on North Korea to start the process of diplomacy with North Korea earlier this year in and around the Olympics that took place in, in South Korea. I think so that um, definitely had a uh, played a part in all of the diplomacy that is going on right now.
0: I want to get to uh, South Korea's president's role in all of this in a little bit, uh, sticking with Kim Jong-un for the moment. Do you think that he may have an increased confidence in his military capabilities, given the nuclear program, and that perhaps this might give him a stronger position for negotiations?
1: I do. Uh, there are, of course, excuse me, experts who can debate how advanced North Korea's nuclear weapons program are. There are some experts who believe they're, you know, two years away from getting the ability to launch a nuclear-tipped intercontinental ballistic missile at the United States. There are other experts who believe it may be only a matter of months before North Korea can do that. So it depends on what expert you talk to, but clearly Kim Jong-un has gained a lot of confidence in his technical abilities and the abilities of his nuclear weapons program. And I think, in part, that's one of the reasons why he's come to the negotiating table, because he believes he has a certain amount of leverage to force or to coerce the United States into making certain concessions.
0: seems like it's been quite the insurance policy for Kim Jong-un to have a nuclear weapons program, given what he's seen in regards to other leaders and how the U.S. has dealt with them, whether it was Saddam Hussein, Muammar Gaddafi. uh, They did not have nukes, and they did not fare well when they went up against the U.S. Uh, How likely do you think it is that Kim Jong-un will actually give up that nuclear program?
1: So I don't actually believe that North Korea will give up their program, at least in the short term. I mean, we can talk about or discuss whether or not North Korea would give it up in pieces or in stages, and that's part of the proposal that has come from uh, the South Koreans who have said that's what the North Koreans want. But I think that um, North Korea sees this nuclear weapons program as, um, as a very important part to ensure the survival of the regime, and the you know the longevity and the ability of the current north korean leader kim jong un to keep on um staying in power so i think they're unlikely to give up that um leverage or that you know that important program at this point when north korea still has many many problems that it's dealing with both internally and externally a lot of pressures um but there are people in particularly in the united states and other places around the world who are more optimistic about North Korea giving up its nuclear weapons program. The South Koreans, as I mentioned earlier, have been much more optimistic that North Korea would actually um, start a process of getting rid of or dismantling their nuclear weapons program. So there are differing perspectives on this. I tend to be a little bit more pessimistic.
0: North Korea has been a global pariah for coming up on 70 years now. Is it at all possible That the world can exist with a nuclear armed North Korea in some sort of normal relationship?
1: Well, that's a very good question. There are some nuclear weapons experts out there who might see the possibility of North Korea just being recognized um, in its current status as uh, a country that has um, de facto been able to develop nuclear weapons, but I think there would be a significant problem if North Korea was actually publicly recognized as a nuclear weapons state, uh, because that would do a lot of damage to the nuclear non-proliferation treaty regime, Uh, and I think that's what many experts have been concerned about in the past. But um, the Chinese have also proposed what's called a freeze for freeze deal, where North Korea basically agrees to freeze the testing of its nuclear weapons and ballistic missiles and the production of those programs in exchange for the United States and South Korea freezing its uh, uh, its military exercises that happen annually um, with the United States and South Korea in the region. But that so far, that proposal has been a non-starter. So um, there there are also varying uh, opinions on this as well.
0: It would certainly take international investigators to keep a close eye on what North Korea is doing, if indeed they went down this process of nuclear disarmament. Uh, For a country that's kept everything under a tight lid for so many decades, uh, does it seem possible that North Korea would actually open itself up to these kinds of investigations?
1: I think it certainly could happen it would just would be very difficult and at this point i don't see north korea agreeing to do any of to allow international inspectors into the country to uh, inspect all of its um, the aspects of its nuclear weapons program uh, i think first and foremost the north koreans would have to give the united states um, and hopefully the international atomic energy agency a list of verifiable nuclear weapons uh, nuclear materials such as fissile materials that they have the nuclear weapons testing sites that they have located across the country a list of experts and scientists that may have been involved in the program and any technology that has been developed with regards to the program Um, And I think that just seems like a very daunting task at this point for the North Koreans to do. They have never agreed to full verification in the past. um, And so I don't believe that that is something that they would probably agree to now. Uh, North Korea has, it's a very mountainous country, Um, the North Koreans have dug tunnels underneath many of those mountains, and they could potentially hide many of their, um, many parts of their nuclear weapons program, not to mention their chemical and biological weapons as well across the country. So um, the task of dismantling and um, getting rid of North Korea's nuclear weapons program is, is a very, very daunting and long, long-term task.
0: You're listening to The Crisis Next Door, and we're talking North Korea with Lisa Collins, a fellow with a Korea chair at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Obviously, much of the focus has been on President Trump and Kim Jong-un. But South Korea's leader, President Moon Jae-in, has had a critical role in all of this. Uh, Lisa, how important has President Moon been in this role?
1: I think he has played an important part. Again, he has been the one who's been most optimistic about the summit between President Trump and Kim Jong-un happening, even when he visited D.C. yesterday and had a bilateral Um, meeting with President Trump, he was very optimistic and very positive about this summit still happening. And I think he has been trying his best to push forward the process by being a mediator or so-called, you know, In between negotiator between the two countries, and uh, many of his uh, many of the officials in in South Korea have been trying very hard to convince both the United States and North Korea that it's a good um, opportunity for the two sides to sit down and to come to uh, an agreement that would eventually result in peace on the Korean Peninsula.
0: Earlier, we were talking about President Trump's uh, threats against North Korea, the potential impact on Kim Jong Un. You said that it also had a very big impact on South Korea. How do they view a potential war with North Korea?
1: So it would be a complete catastrophe for South Korea if there was a war with North Korea, because South Korea is the closest territory to the north. There are artillery um, guns aimed at Seoul, as we speak, only a few miles from the border, the demilitarized zone uh, between the two Koreas. And if North Korea didn't use nuclear weapons to strike South Korea, they would certainly use their conventional weapons, including the artillery, to fire at the South Koreans. And I mean, they could hit South Korean territory without even trying, Um, and not to mention uh, Japan, which is very close by as well. So I think any type of military action or even the hint of something happening that would make the North Koreans nervous and force them to react would immediately lead to a downward spiral of um, action and reaction uh, in the region, which would most certainly lead to um, disaster and and war. So most experts um, that deal with the Korea's highly recommend that there not be any um, discussion or or even a hint of military action with regards to North Korea.
0: The U.S. has around 40,000 troops in the demilitarized zone. I, what do they basically act as, more of a, a tripwire more than anything else against a potential North Korean onslaught?
1: Yes, I mean, that's a good way that um, you can describe the troop presence in and along the demilitarized zone, but they're also a, a form of deterrence. They make sure that North Korea knows that if there's any action on the border or around the border, that the United States forces and the South Korean forces are ready to respond instantaneously. So yes, they could be a tripwire, but they're also a a form of deterrence.
0: We often wonder what the conditions of the North Korean military are, given the severe economic conditions in the country, uh, whether or not it's an army that would actually fight hard for Kim Jong-un. I read a very interesting quote from a retired South Korean Lieutenant General in Boom Chun. He told the policy exchange think tank in London earlier this year that if we had to go into North Korea, it would not be like going into Iraq or Afghanistan. It won't be like topping President Hussein. It would be more like trying to get rid of Allah. Very strong comments. Do you think that North Korean troops would fight that hard and the North Korean uh, populace would fight that hard for Pyongyang?
1: So again, that's a very good question. I th- think there certainly would be elements of the North Korean populace and the North Korean army that would fight back. Uh, and there certainly would be insurgent groups um, to fight with any uh, force that, that entered North Korean territory. Um, but I, the North Korean economy and the North Korean, the way North Korean society is structured, I mean, I think you can think of it basically in terms of two levels. There's the elite, who live in Pyongyang, and then there's everybody outside of Pyongyang who live under different conditions. And so the people who live in the border regions or who are living in places that are more removed from Pyongyang, they have less, I think, influence from the Pyongyang elite. And and some people might say that they have less, perhaps, loyalty or affiliation with the current leader, uh, Kim Jong-un. Um, just by virtue of the fact that there have been many changes over the three different leadership periods from Kim Il-sung to Kim Jong-il to Kim Jong-un. And so there is a question about whether the current North Korean populace still has the same sort of um loyalty to Kim Jong-un, the current leader. And, and that's something that Kim Jong-un is very afraid of, uh, I'm sure, and a reason why he continues to maintain a very tight grip on um, repressing and controlling information within the country.
0: I wanted to get your thoughts on two key players on opposite sides of North Korea, China and Japan. What do they want to see happen?
1: I think for China, China is thinking about different um objectives, both with regard to the negotiations for denuclearization and also the longer strategic picture in Northeast Asia. Um, I think China is concerned first and foremost with the China-U.S. relationship um, and anything that impacts that, how to balance against the U.S. um, presence in Asia. Um, I think with regard to the nuclear weapons program uh, North Korea's nuclear weapons program, I think China does not want to have does not want nuclear weapons in North Korea, but it's willing to um, overlook them i think the the weapons program if Kim, if Kim Jong-un maintains stability in his country. The Chinese are worried first and foremost about instability on the border between China and North Korea and any instability inside North Korea that would have an impact on Chinese um, national interests. And then with regard to strategic competition between China and the United States in the region, I think China is looking first and foremost to, to push the U- United States Um, out of the region as much as possible, and that might include pushing U.S. troops off the Korean Peninsula. And so I think sometimes you see China using North Korea as a proxy to try and maybe um, negotiate or try and get the U.S. troops off the peninsula, and that has in the past um, been an absolute non-starter with the United States in negotiations. With regard to Japan, I think Japan is very closely aligned with the United States um, within the bounds of the U.S.-Japan alliance uh, Japan is very concerned about North Korea's nuclear weapons program, particularly the bl- ballistic missiles, because many of the ballistic missile tests actually flew over J- Japanese territory over the last year, um, and there was some fear concerns in Japan that some of the missile parts might even hit in Japan or, you know, um, cause injury to some of the Japanese citizens. And I think in the long term, Japan is very concerned that the North Korean threat would grow. Uh, and would be um, uh, something that would force uh, Japanese actions in the region and would be a continuing threat for the Japanese. So they're looking to have North Korea dismantle their nuclear weapons program, as is the United States.
0: There's been a lot of hope over the potential talks between President Trump and Kim Jong-un. Is there a chance that this buildup of these talks, it it almost has to lead to something concrete and positive, or else who could bring us back closer to the brink. How critical are these talks right now?
1: I do think it's important for the talks to continue, and I do hope that there is something concrete that comes out of the summit between President Trump and Kim Jong-un, even if it's just an initial joint statement that says the two parties agree to certain principles such as denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula and working on a peace agreement in the future. Um, I think the concern is that Currently, the United States and North Korea don't seem to be able to agree on what the concept of denuclearization actually means. Um, For the North Koreans, it means something different um, than I think what it currently means to the United States. The United States has talked about what's called complete, irreversible, verifiable um, dismantlement of North Korea's nuclear weapons program. Um, and, And the Trump administration in particular has said this needs to happen as quickly as possible. But for the North Koreans, um, denuclearization means first and foremost that the so-called threat coming from the United States, what the North Koreans call hostile policy, um, ends. And so in order for that to happen, the North Koreans have said in the past that they want the U.S. troops removed from the Korean Peninsula. They want the U.S. and South Korea to stop military exercise in the region. They also want U.S. Um, Uh, US and South Korea alliance to eventually end. Uh, And so all of these conditions in North Korea's eyes would be preconditions for them to agree to denuclearization if they're even willing to give up their nuclear weapons program. Um, And so again, that goes back to the question of what is Kim Jong-un's motivation at this time about talking about his program? And um, does he have both the intent and the capability, the capacity to dismantle the nuclear weapons program?
0: Steps in the right direction, but still a long ways to go to reaching that elusive goal of peace. You've been listening to The Crisis Next Door. We're talking about North Korea. We've been joined by Lisa Collins, a fellow with the Korea Chair at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It was great to be on the program. Thanks for having me.
0: The Crisis Next Door, with host Jason Brooks, is produced weekly. If you have any thoughts for Jason, email him at TCNDpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Again, that's TCNDpodcast at kcbsradio.com. All-Star Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time?